This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com. So if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, you know that I'm really into evidence, evidence-based medicine, evidence-based lifestyle practices, and proof and stuff like that. So today's interview is going to be a big departure from that because I have a conversation today with my friend Mark Lushton, who comes from a very different place. And just to set the scene, um, my family moved a couple years ago to six acres out in the country. And when we moved from our less like a tenth of an acre suburban plot, this seemed like all the land in the world. And we wanted to farm and garden and have retreats and do all sorts of stuff. And it quickly started to feel like we didn't have enough land. Our property is long and narrow, so we weren't sure where to put a greenhouse and where to put in a little shed for washing and storing vegetables and all this stuff. And we started to feel kind of cramped, like maybe we made a mistake, maybe we need to try to buy a field nearby. And it was then that I remembered to call my friend Mark. Because since I've known him for about 15 years now, at every point in my life in which I felt constrained and stuck and frustrated and like I was banging my head against the universe, Mark would help me get out of that. And he wouldn't help me get out of it by giving me the answer, like, you know, where to put the thing or what to do. But he would remind me to think in a whole different way. And he would remind me of what he calls the energetic laws of the universe. And they're not anything that we haven't heard of before, like, you know, all is one and time is eternal and love is the reason for everything. But when I'm stuck in that place of kind of constipated thinking, where, where everything about me is just feeling really tight-assed and, and not in flow, Mark helps to remind me of truth that, that he experiences on a daily basis and that I experience when I allow myself to experience it. So Mark came down and gave us a feng shui consultation on our land, which, again, I thought was going to be like, okay, where do we put this thing? How do we move the fence? And we got to all that, but we got to it in terms of applying these big picture energetic laws of, of beauty and love and eternity. And once we were thinking in the right way and feeling with, with a kind of a flow, then the answers just started popping up. And it expanded beyond where we were going to put things on the land, but also a little bit about how I was structuring my business and where I was going to have my office and how I was going to help people and really getting in touch with the joy and happiness that I feel for certain things and the sense of duty and obligation and stuckness that I feel for others. And so this stuff is reverberating throughout my life and you'll probably see it reverberating throughout the podcast and throughout the work that I do, the products and services that I provide. And so I wanted to get Mark on the podcast to kind of share his view and to share his energy with you all. So without further ado, Mark Lucian, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. Thank you, Howard. So I'm really excited about this conversation. You know, we've, uh, we've talked many times uh, over the years, and we did a TV show together, was it last week? Yes, I think it was last week. And I've also been, been uh, letting people know, I hope it's okay, that you, um, you helped me and my family and my homestead with a with a feng shui consultation while you were down here in North Carolina. That was fun. 
fun, Howard. That was, I mean, wow, that's a, that's a great place you have there, and we really found some new things about it, didn't we? Yep, and, uh, you know, I mean, there are so many levels in which we could, we could talk about this, but uh, we had come to this conversation with, with an intention of something that I personally find really hard, and I know a lot of my clients and students find it hard, and the world finds it hard, which is simply to take care of ourselves. And, and you had a, a lot of powerful things to say about why it's important and about how to do it and about how our society um, twists that in, in ways that, that kind of, you know, take, take a little bit of the life out of it. Um, so I'd love for you just to begin by just describing what you mean by like taking care of ourselves or, you know, putting ourselves first or how, how you think about that whole concept. Okay. Well, before I, you know, just go into that, um, I think it's important to lay a, a groundwork or a pathway into that because it's, it's been so drilled into us that that's not what it's about it's you know it's taking one for the team or or putting yourself not putting yourself before others and so I'd like to back up a little before taking that head on because um, what I really maintain about that whole idea is it comes from from nature, it's a basic, basic truth that we need to really take care of us ourselves. And so, to just try to convince that without any groundwork it would be really difficult for me. So, okay. can you help me with that? Sure. So, what what is the groundwork that uh, you know that we? It, it's almost like we, you're you're saying we need to before we can like go up we have to dig ourselves out of a hole that we're already in yes that's it so so what's the hole the hole is this whole idea that uh, the way we look at things that, of, of separation that we are all these individual units living in this uh, big vast world of, of parts that all kind of fit together but you know, it's it's up to us to sort of move around in that and and be our own agents. And but it's all based on this idea of, of separateness that you know we get from old science and just from everywhere. That's the way we we live. So first of all, that's not true. And so we when we start to see ourselves differently when we say take care of ourselves. It's not about going to the gym, eating well, um, you know, keeping ourselves clean, taking time out of the day to cut our toenails or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not what I mean by taking care of ourselves. It's really when you think of ourselves, what that really is, we're taking care of everything by having our attention in the right place and the right and that's 
closer to our idea, our idea of self because our our access point to everything is our own <clears throat> central nervous system is is how I I look at it. Okay. So to to hmm. yeah, I'm trying I'm trying to think of a way in for people that's that's kind of a a slope and also a way for, for me. So you're you're really talking about kind of a a, a spiritual or metaphysical truth that that everything we see out there that we think of as separate, as not part of us, as it may be in opposition to us or sometimes allied with us, that that's all illusion, that there's there's just sort of one flow of energy and and we have yeah. access we have access to that one flow of energy through our our senses. That's right. So um, I'm gonna again steer us here because we've gone, you know, into a, a very high discussion at this point. And so if I bring it back to say, okay, well, if you're taking care of your spouse, you know, your spouse is sick with a cold, and in my case, she would be in, in bed, and I'm bringing, you know, some... Uh, ginger ale or something up to her. Now, is that taking care of her? That it's also it's taking care of myself too. I'm just taking care at that point because you know, you can see that we're not just strictly these bodies of flesh that move around in the world. We're we're more than that. So, you know, it's easy to see, well, with your spouse, it's really your your one your your one person, not two, or your family. You know, you're you're a unit, and so it's easy, a little easier to see that why you're taking care of your spouse or your children. You're taking care of your responsibility, you, yourself, in in an extended way, and then you can keep going from there. You know, you're taking care of your community, you're taking care of your planet, but it's all really you. And when you can do that effectively, if you can be really focused in that caring so that you're not wasting your energy on what would be not uh, being caring towards something, then that's all you're doing is you're taking care of yourself. And therefore, yourself is everything. So, you know. Okay. So, so what would wasting energy look like? And I, and I think, you know, I think for myself, um, you know, I, I have this idea that I, I need to be very generous to other people. Like, I, you know, that I, if I just like went out and made money, that wouldn't make me a good person. Like I, you know, so I offer courses either, you know, that people can pay what they want or it's free or, you know, I give refunds easily. And sometimes I feel like I'm in a struggle between like doing nice things for everybody else and really not taking care of my own finances. So is, you know, is that an example of kind of 
you know, wasting energy? Because because it's it, sometimes it feels like, yeah, it's clear when I bring my spouse something and she's sick in bed that that's serving me. But there's other times where it feels like it's zero sum. It's either me or someone else. Right. So that's where we get into kind of the illusion of the, the separateness of everything. Um, by taking care of something else, you're, you're uh, depriving yourself of something. And uh, it's always important to have perspective and to see that actually there's, there's nothing wasted. You're, it's all learning. There's no wasted energy. It's just um, when you deplete yourself, you'd get sick, and then you'd have to go to bed for a couple of days and recuperate and hopefully learn from that. So it's not really a, a waste. We're, we're all learning here uh, how to do these things better. But I think where we can really improve and, and get clear is in that issue of looking at things as uh, as all one thing or as separate, all separate things, and to get very clear about what is true so that we can align our thoughts with the truth and our beliefs, ultimately our beliefs with the truth, and then you're, you're really becoming powerful and effective and... Uh, happy and all good things, healthy okay. it comes from that place of true beliefs, because then your thought, your thoughts are powerful and you can, you can create from that place. Okay. So what, what am I, how am I limiting myself if I've got this idea, which I do that I, that there's a conflict between me making money and me serving people. You know, I'm like, well, I want everyone to eat a healthy diet. The planet will be better. People will be happier. There'll be less misery. But then people come and they say, well, I can't afford your program. And then my imp impulse is, well, here, have it for free. And, and then I spend nights worrying about paying my bills. So where, where what am I missing? Hmm. I think that's a tough one to... To take head on. Um, yeah, that's a tough one, Howard. I, I'm not sure if I can just. All right, let's 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 hold that in debate. Money is a you know money is a, is a very tough subject. It holds so much for us, and so it's it's really about getting into this place of flow and abundance and money does come from what I was just talking about where where everything is. So let's not take money on as a, as the the uh entrance point on this. Okay. Well, this can I, we'll, we'll come back to that, okay? okay? Let me let me give you a different one then. Um so a lot of the people I work with um are women who are mothers and have jobs and it's a trope in our society that, you know, women don't take time for self-care. They're taking care of everybody else. Yes. And the, the way our society tries to convince women to take care of themselves is this metaphor of the oxygen mask, 
drop, you know, if you're on a plane and the oxygen masks drop, put yours on before you help anyone else. Yes. And you mentioned to me that there's... That, that's there's something basically faulty there, and uh, and that's right. It's It's still based on the premise that it's different to take care of others than it is yourself. And it's also based on the false premise that the va- the value of us as people is our ability to be able to contribute to the whole, to contribute to other people, not to ourselves. So it's like, well, you know, you put the, mox- the oxygen mask on yourself first because then you're available to help others, and that's what counts. And that's really... It's not, it's not true. That's not where your value is. You're, and that's not who you are. You know, so there's, it's really fraught with all sorts of uh, beliefs. And, and to dismantle them one by one is kind of what I've had to do. Over, I've been a, a rebel my whole life since I was a kid, uh, very young. And I, I just kind of came in that way. And so it's taken me my whole life to grapple with all these beliefs that our culture has that just are a little off, that are just not fundamentally true. And so, you know, we would have to really take each one of them. But those, um, if we're going to get to to everything, but we can, you know, start with some of these, the big truths that we, that you and I have talked about, about, um, you know, that love is the reason for everything and, and all is one. And, and these are lofty, but I think it's, we, we've got to get there somewhere to, so that we can live I mean, we can do all the all the things from this from those true beliefs. Is uh, it's about saving the planet? It's about all these big issues too, global change. Everybody knows that we're not going to fix those problems by continuing on this course of of our present what we consider our present beliefs of of science. Like science is going to save us? No. I mean, we're we're kind of desperately trying to believe that, but that's not going to happen. Science isn't going to save. The, the planet, you know, it's about a shift in consciousness. And I think a lot of people are starting to see that. And it's, it's a tough period here because it's hard to use our old way of thinking and imagine what that's going to look like. You know, what is that going to look like if everybody starts to become more aligned with the truth and finding their their power how does that translate to what we're seeing things now as you know what are, what happens to the systems uh, uh, that are in place and the way we do things the business you know how does that all change and i think we have a lot of fear about that with i mean if you look at the the movies that have been popular all the cataclysmic earth changes and uh, you know we have a lot of anxiety about what that's going to look and a lot of doubt too and then others are kind of in denial like yeah we can 
we can fix this and but it's it's not going to get better if we're starting off with false beliefs and that's kind of mm-hmm. what i maintain right so what, one thing you wrote to me in an email is that we have to see the importance of loving ourselves not as a means to an end right so and so yeah that's so when you think of first of all if you can make that shift to thinking that yourself is actually everything and by taking care of yourself you're doing all that you can to take care of everything else uh that's a big step and you know we're we're taught to feel guilty if we put ourselves first so the only way we can put ourselves first and 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 actually take care of ourselves by feeling good about that because that's a an important part of taking care of yourself is to is to not be beating yourself up, feeling guilty for things. Um, you know, then we can begin to see. Well, I'm feeling better. I'm I'm healthier, and that must be good. And there's there's something about that. Um, there's something good about that. And then. Intuitively, when you're feeling good, it's, it, it just becomes a very important thing that affects everything else. I mean, imagine if everybody on the, on the earth were happy for a day, which we all chose the same day, <laughs> and everybody was happy. What would that be like? That would be just unbelievable. That, everything would shift. Never be the same after that, and so yeah. It, remi- it reminds me of like you know one of these fancy resorts where you know rich people go and the staff is is just trained to be happy all the time or to to appear happy. So like the whole the whole world would be this paradise resort. Yeah. Well, we I think we suspect that uh, if. If people are happy, let's say, especially the rich people, then they're doing something wrong for the rest of the world, you know. And so we're, we even walk around suspicious of anybody with a smile on their face these days. Like, oh, <laughs> they must be, you know, rich and and depriving other people of money, and they're they're polluting, they're consuming, you know. That's what happiness represents, but that's not happiness. I mean, that's, um, you, you can't judge other people's happiness. I mean, there's so much wrong with that. I, I, I don't know what to say. But that's a, that's kind of what we, we think. Like, well, they're not doing their part. You know, you if what's the one? If you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Yeah. You know, the bumper sticker. I mean, I can see where that's coming from. But that's, that's, so, that's wrong on so many levels. Well, let's, let's explore that a little bit. So uh, let's let's follow that energy. What what is wrong with that? Because because you know across my Facebook feed, so you you know you came over. We we had all these conversations. I was in a very sort of peaceful, loving place, and then in my Facebook feed, I see um, stories about this pipeline protest and and sicking the dogs on the protesters, and I see more young black men getting killed by police, and it's like I'm outraged. <laughs> So, yeah. so what, you know, so 
what t- tell me about what you know some some of the things let's dig into if you're not outraged you're not paying attention because yeah. it's not it's not entirely wrong is it um well <laughs> or is it uh, there it, it's it's not entirely wrong in that it does show that uh you've got compassion if you're feeling upset when you when you see these things, I mean, your means your you've, you know, your nervous system or your ability to feel compassion is is there, and I I think that's we're so worried that that's not true for some people that we we kind of teach compassion like it's this thing that we have to learn, and we it is so basically human to have compassion i mean look at the um the number of facial expressions the number of nerve endings we have in our face uh compared to anywhere else in our body i, I forget the number but it's the it's astron- it's just so so many facial expressions and nuance of that have gone into our uh, evolution that it shows how important our face is for showing emotion and and then we can pick up on on that in a very qu- quick second and so why has that developed it's because we're we're compassionate beings and that was very important for our survival the cooperation and we've gotten so far from that in fact it's not cool you know in some ways to for these younger generations to, to show expression, to show any facial expression. They have to walk around, with, you know, very still, because it's, it's vulnerable to have emotion. So we're really shutting down uh, some of our innate uh, tendencies or abilities. And So is it, is it, is, is it like... Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm doing audio and I, I can turn down all the frequencies and then I just turn up the one outrage frequency so that I can prove that I care. Yeah, there's, there's that part of it, but what is, what is effective about having rage? What lasting change can you bring about with rage? And, and it's, you know, the activists, I mean, the, there's probably a purpose to bringing awareness to some issues. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to start criticizing people for doing what they're doing. And it's, it's all part of it. So, but it's just fundamentally that we're turning on each other as the the source of the problem like we're blaming all these humans on the earth for ruining it for everybody and we're just turning our anger instead of to an effective place for change which would be ourselves we're blaming and it gets so far from our where we're effective and where we're powerful it has. It's just making things worse to be outraged. It's putting the responsibility on something outside yourself, which isn't at all where it belongs. It all belongs on yourself. 
It's the only thing that you have power with is your own thoughts and your and your own beliefs, your own actions. That's where your creative uh, power lies, not in, you know, changing big things out there that that makes you miserable trying to because it's so frustrating because you're unable to. It's just you're living a life of anger, and that's not good for anybody. That's not taking care of yourself, nor is it, it really helping anything. So coming from a place of anger, is, that has to be predicated on a separation. Right? That's it. That's, see, that's what it all goes back to, is that separation of they versus me, uh, the good guys and the bad guys. You know, when you get together with the good guys and you talk about it, how bad the other people are and how they're screwing it up, and that's just a false uh, notion from the start. We're, you know, so you're not going to get anywhere that way. And that's why we're not going to solve these problems in this same consciousness that created all of them, this idea of separation. And it's, it's really coming around. I'm very hopeful to see the, these ideas of oneness that have come about. I, I trace it back to sort of the east-west uh, collision or meeting back uh, in the early 1900s, mostly with the, the, some of the thought that came over in the yoga and the spirituality from the east. That just that's the basic uh, starting point. Is we are all one, you know, and it's become cliche, so people aren't really hearing it or understanding it. And the the West is so dominant with their the results of their separation that seems to be where the power is but that's the power based on separation thinking is is violence it's coercion of physical threat and fear that's not going to go anywhere that's going to you know destroy everything we're okay. not going to get to um a unity by taking everything apart and analyzing it and saying well how how does this fit and let's put this here and you know that that's so small that's based on the intelligence of human beings versus the intelligence of the universe now we can access that intelligence but that's not what we're doing when we're starting from a, a point of untruth which would be the separation mm. Now, so so let me bring that back to to my own uh, ministry in, in health. The, the a lot of people when they start a change program, they're fed up with them with themselves. They're fed up with their lives. They're fed up. They're angry at doctors. They're angry at the food industry. They're and and they're going to take and they're angry at themselves, especially for not being able to say no to bad food and say yes to exercise and they have all these judgments and it feels like there's, yeah. there's a lot of internal violence and coercion and self-loathing yeah. that that's the well, place where, where a lot of people start their journey. Right. Well, that's very good, Howard, um, to get to that place because we are, we are taught from very early age 
what's what. And if we don't agree, we're threatened uh, with co the coercion of physical imprisonment, physical violence. You have to see things this way or you can't be with the human community. So we all go along with that. Um, and so we turn it on ourselves, that voice of authority, that we are separate, you know, God is outside judging us and with this conditional love that's supposed to be big, but how big could conditional love be? That's not, that's not love. That's not love at all. If we don't do the right things, we'll go to hell. Now what, I mean, what an idea that is for, for love. Um, that's coercion. That's, you have to believe this and do this. And so when we're left thinking that everything's separate, we're turning all that judgment against ourselves. And if we're not doing the right thing and not getting the results, we're blaming ourselves. So I think the first step is embracing the true love, which is about forgiveness or about non-judgment of ourselves. And just saying, you know, just starting to see that everything is as it should be. It's a real blessing when you can give yourself that thought that everything is just where it's supposed to be and everybody's doing their best, including you. You're doing your best every day. And then that voice says, no, you're not. You could be doing better. That's not true because if you could be doing better, you would be. Well, I slip and I like get rid of that voice. It's just so wrong. It's, it's coming from such a wrong place it's, because behind everything is this immense, vast love that's not conditional. And when we can sort of get to a place of quiet and perceive that the truth of that, of that love that's holding us, that's embracing us, supporting us with everything, uh, you know, <clears throat> that we are, and um, that it's very important to, to love ourselves and to not be so critical of ourselves and everything else, because we turn that on every, you know, if we have that in ourselves, we turn that everywhere else because we don't really want to take blame because we don't believe it. It's, you know, we, we at the core believe that we're doing our best, and that means somebody else is not doing because look how bad things are and look how it's not working out for me. Hmm. So we're looking to blame. You have to not blame anybody. You have to see that it's all perfect, and it's, love is the only thing going on here. It's the only principle at work. We're just cutting ourselves off from that. And that's the and, and the best way to cut yourself off from the love and the flow of love in your life is to um, not love yourself. Okay. So, if I'm 200 pounds overweight, I'm on nine different meds. Um, I haven't gone out on a date in 15 years. 
I'm afraid of going to movies, theaters, restaurants. I can't fly on airplanes. How, how do I get to a place of everything as, as it should be? I think it's that love. I mean, if you can get to that place of feeling that love from the outside, and that's, that's what grace is. And if you just be receptive and you just start getting sensitive and give yourself a break and stop that self-loathing, you'll feel that love because it's there. It's just everywhere. The universe is filled with it. It's, I mean, it's all, it's all there is. It's all loving energy. And all we have to do is allow that in. Now, it sounds easier if I'm just talking about it, but that's a starting point. And when you practice that receptivity, then you, you get you get good at it. It's you let it come in more and more, and you, you quiet the voices of, that are just like demons haunting you of of judgment and self-loathing. Um, so, as far as a starting point, th- this is the great news. The starting point is every single moment, every single second, every present. The present is filled with this love that I'm talking about. Um, and we just have to, to open to it and to relax into it and to, you know, we're just running around like scared little children who don't really, who feel like they've been abandoned. And we, we haven't been abandoned. Maybe we've abandoned ourselves in our own thoughts, in our own beliefs, but we haven't been abandoned. And we can feel that, you know, at, at any point, if we can just quiet all that noise and that, that emotion and tap into that. And once we can, we're, you know, it's like we can get healthy. It's not going to happen uh, with our bodies instantly. Of course, that's not how matter works. Matter needs uh, some time, you know, time and matter. It, but the thought can be instantaneous. And the effect of the thought is, is faster than the speed of light. So that's the good news, that you can start changing your thoughts, which is the only thing you can control anyway. I mean, you know, you can manipulate physical reality a bit or... You can pretend that you're manipulating more than that, like with people or whatever. But really, our power is all in our thoughts and then how they become our beliefs. And if you if you love yourself for... If you allow yourself to be loved, and then you, you do that same thought and... I, uh, and then express that with action too. So that's what healing is. Yeah. 
So, I mean, when, as I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you um, with, with an ear from someone who has been, you know, subject to these self-loathing thoughts for a long time. And I think what, what I hear you saying is that the substrate of, of our being is not those thoughts, that even though, even though they're so habitual, we think that they are, we have to stop them. We have to take action to make them stop. The truth is that we're, we're actively putting all our energy into generating them, that, that, yeah. that they're not the default, that, but we, we get confused. And because they happen so quickly and so habitually. That we, they think, we think that's what, who we are. And right, that's not who we are. And that's why meditation is is so wonderful a, a gift from those Eastern cultures, and I guess some the Western, some Western uh, sources as well with meditation. But um, to get to that quiet place, you then you realize, oh, those are those thoughts are they're not who I am. You know, they're. I'm the, the silent one in the center of all this, kind of observing and loving, lovingly observing and just loving that the energy of who we really are beneath what you call all this substrate is just this loving presence that connects us with that earlier idea I was talking about with the, the unity. That's, that's how, where... We find we can feel our access and our connection to everything. That's that's who we are. That and when I say take care of yourself, take care of that. You know, take, you know, nourish that can that that part of yourself, which is is who you really are, and the rest will respond um, because you'll. You'll start seeing those loathing thoughts, and you'll be like, "Oh, get out of here! You know, leave me alone. Where did this come from?" And then you, you know, you figure out, "Well, this happened when you were young, and you were trying to protect yourself, so you develop these personalities and this and that." I don't think you really have to go through all of uh, psychotherapy, but that that works. It just takes a while. But I think you can just a little more invite that into your life through getting to that quiet, loving place and forgiving yourself and seeing that this is my journey. And look, you know, if I can find happiness after all this time, that's a... A major achievement, and look how strong that happiness will be because of all the heavy lifting that I had to do to get there. Nobody's going to shake me from that, and you see that all the time with mm. with people that have had to struggle to get somewhere. They're really strong there, and they and they're just uh, solid in their their confidence, their happiness, their well-being. Huh. It's it's almost like a spiritual IKEA effect, where the IKEA effect in social psychology is when people have to put labor into something, they value it more. You know, when you build your cabinet from IKEA, yeah. 
that people people want more money to sell it to to get rid of it than if they just bought an yeah. identical cabinet. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right because you're you're feeling empowered as you're creating this uh, this self that's um, able to maintain that energy coming through of of that love. I mean, you you don't lose that once you build that. You're not going to lose that. I mean, you'll you'll slip out of it, and you'll those other voices will. When you're hungry and famished and in a bad mood, you know those voices will come back. Um, but as we take care of our bodies and our thoughts, it all starts to gain momentum, and it gets easier. And you know, it it just it builds momentum. Yeah. Nope. Then things outside of us reflect back to us. In fact, they reflect immediately back. So if you can do this for a few minutes in a day, you know that's when the the songbird will show up and start singing a little song. And, and you know that's where the magic happens when you find your connection to to your source and uh, and you live there for a minute. And it's just it's that's. That's magical, and that's the reality. That's the truth of it. Now, there's there's something really, I want to say, subtle or tricky about that, because in a sense, we're saying that loving ourselves, being part of this universal truth of energy flow of unconditional love, is an end unto itself, and at the same time, it's going to bring about all the things we want, right? That, that if we're that it, it's all, it also looks like the means to the end, but only if it's the end, right? So if I truly love myself, then I will take care of others in the way that they should be taken care of without resentment, bitterness, strings attached, burnout. You got but, it, Howie. That's, but, but, but I kind of like, okay, I'm going to sit for a minute and like one eye is going to keep flickering open looking for that goddamn songbird that Mark promised me. <laughs> Right. Well, the, the, yeah, the uh, the proof or the confirmation, but uh, that's going back to the separation theory of, of proof. There, you don't need any proof when you're in that place. It's just an experience, and you can't prove it because that's bringing it out into a different system of logic and uh, time, space. Um, these structural parameters that we've put on it with our logical scientific mind. It's like, well, how do you prove any of this? Uh, you know, that's, that's the wrong way to prove it. What's, what's more proof than experiencing something like a feeling? Do you need proof that that feeling happened from some outside monitoring source? I don't think we've gotten that far. I mean, some people maybe they might have to hook themselves up to a machine to to believe that they're alive or that they're feeling something, you know. But most of us, that's good enough, you know. If we feel something, it's true, and nobody's going to convince us otherwise. Um, so the the doubt is the part of that that you have to let relax. And the, the difficulty there is that it feels very vulnerable to relax that doubt because we've been taught that we'd be made a fool of if we believed 
some of that silly stuff that can't be proved. Mm. Or, in, or in my own case, I feel like if I truly were, were living according to my own joy, just doing the things I want to do, there's a, there's a fear in me that I would become a selfish asshole or that I would just sit at home and eat chocolate all day and I would never exercise or do hard things or challenge myself. That there's, there's almost a sense like this, this external authority that I either fear externally or I've, I've interjected into myself and this authority voice that tells me to get up at 5.30 and work out that without that, I, I would not be living according to my values. Yes. Well, I, I think that's not going to go away completely. Um, I think that's part of being human. It's keeping us honest. It's like our fear response that we've developed, for, and there are probably good reasons for it. Uh, in some applications, but when it sort of gets in and takes hold that that kind of fear and you give it energy and you and it fits with your other beliefs it 's just going to remain longer you know, and it 's like you 're almost saying okay you or you can stay there it's you 're probably good for me somewhere, so i 'll just let you in my living space, you know, um, if you just quietly just, just see that and not recoil so much and say, Oh, that's just part of me. And, and you love that, that part of yourself, it's not going to be as noisy. It's going to get the attention, you know, like the child, and then it'll quiet down. You, you don't have to, um, give it energy by engaging with it with with hatred or saying like you're you're getting in my way because there really there really is nothing that's wanting to get in your way of of feeling good and being happy it's you're putting stuff there but that is all what needs to be healed and you you work you just work at that. Does that answer your question? I don't I don't want to just like sweep something under the rug. We can talk about that more. Um. Well, uh, I mean, there's there's a certain relief in saying, well, this is you know this is a part of me and it's an impulse that that doesn't deserve to be exterminated. Right. Yeah. It's not a something. Nothing can be exterminated. It, it can be sort of uh, broken up and sent away and put in to somewhere or just let go so you're not giving your attention to it. You know, but it, it'll find its way. It's like dust, you know, just go somewhere um, once you've burned it or whatever. Um, but, you know, you can see these things as patterns. And you, it, once you identify something like that, it's like a weed. You know this is a weed and you're just going to pull it every time and then go back to that still point of... So the fear really is that you're going to lose all the good stuff that you've gained if you 
let some of these things go. It's like hard work um, and fear sometimes go together, and we we another societal uh, imperative is to work hard, and that's how you'll get ahead. And that's that is so not true. That's not how people get ahead. It's hard work, even though the the ones who do get ahead say that they say, "Oh, it was hard work," as if you know. All you have to do is work hard. That's not what it's about at all. Uh, you can, you know, there's people that work really hard and don't get ahead. Do you think they want to hear that they're not working hard enough, and that these billionaires did work hard enough? You know, that's not what it's about. Um, so we kind of equate that adrenaline that we get from fear to driving us forward and making something, make, you know, making ourselves better and, and achieving and getting the things that we set out to do. But that's very uh, weak energy compared to when you tap into the energy of the universe with, with love. That's the real power in the world. And when you get to that energy, you hardly have to do anything. You just you're just being all the time, and it's all easy and flowing, and and you're just regulating that you know how much you want to. So, when, but when you're when you're being, that could very easily look ex- to the outside as really hard work. Yes, that's that's the key. Um, but when when you're when you're just having lots of fun, like a kid playing in the uh, sandbox and just lost in the reverie of of the the dump trucks dumping the sand and working with other kids and you can say he's working hard but I don't really think of that as hard work I think that is more playing and and just being in bliss and just being and so well it, it, I guess it's it's about you know kind of a definition of work like what? What even does that mean? You know, like the, the, there's a physics definition of like moving mass, but yeah. you know, like the most mass I've ever moved has been like you know hiking up mountains. Like that's not work. That's leisure. I pay money to go do that. Yeah. Uh, and you know, certain certain pieces of writing that I've done have just flowed out of me, like I wasn't you know like two hours passed in a minute. Right, um, but there are you know so like what what is what does it even mean to do work? It, you know, I think in our culture it means something I'd rather not do. Yeah. So they have to pay me to do it. Right, right. That gets all twisted up in in uh, you know our obligations and our responsibility to take care of others first and do the greater good and be part of the gross national product and all these shoulds that come down that were imposed to us long ago as you know from the authorities as the worker bees and then we try to enslave other people to do that which we don't want to do and we're all out of the flow at that point you know it's and i mean sometimes when you're let's say you're starting your own business and you're really you're really passionate about what you're doing and you believe in it and you you love it well, sometimes that's going to get challenging and feel 
difficult at two in the morning when you're still up, you want to be sleeping. You're, so it's it's not like that's always the bad thing because you have energy to sustain you that that may not always be like extremely comfortable. Um, but you have to always know what you're feeling. And that's the kind of the starting point. You know, know what you're feeling, know what you're thinking. That's where our, our power is. And the, when you're feeling bad, that's a, an indication that there's something wrong. And you have to trust that. Yeah, and you have to go see, well, why am I feeling bad? What are the thoughts that I'm thinking that are not true? Because that's when you feel bad is, it's like, oh, I've got to do this, or, and then you you trace that back to they're going to put me in jail, or they're uh, they're not going to like me, they're going to withhold love, I'm going to go to hell, all these fear-driven thoughts. So, so I think there's an important distinction that we have to make. Maybe there's different kinds of feeling bad, and we need different different words for it. So that the one feeling bad is, you know, I'm I've stopped eating crap, and now I miss it. And I feel bad because I'm not going to have an ice cream sandwich or I'm feeling bad because I started a business. And part of it is I have to do all this administrative stuff that I don't enjoy. And I can't wait until I get successful enough to outsource. Yeah. So let's let's um, choose one of those examples and trace the thoughts uh, that, that you that would be going into that to that bad okay. feeling. Should we start with the ice cream sandwich? Yes. Okay, so I feel bad, and feeling should be my guide, and so I really want to eat this thing because it gives me this this momentary pleasure while I'm eating it. Yeah, and maybe you're afraid that your pleasure in in general in life will be diminished if you don't have this sandwich or can't have it ever. You say, well... There goes 10% of the, the joy in the rest of my life. I'll never have that, that sensation, that pleasure of an ice cream sandwich again if I don't eat them. I'm losing. And, you know, that's an unarticulated thought most of the time. It's just sort of in there. But that's the belief that's kind of holding on to it there's this lack of there's a certain amount of pleasure that's in the world and you know for me much of it comes from food and i really like those ice cream sandwiches and so i'm going to be 10 percent less happy without these and so i'm going to really eat this and enjoy this one because it's you know, the last one. and But that's not true. But we're thinking that. And so when you can sort of identify, and when you feel that feeling of sadness or loss, and you, see, you can trace it to that thought, or, or whatever thought it is, um, you can just challenge that thought and come up with a, a thought that is true, which is, oh, well, if I get rid of this, 
there's so much more pleasure that's going to open up to me. And I can't wait to to discover what that is. And that's the, you know, that's the hopeful thought. And that's that hope. I wish I could just convince people just by my words, but I, I don't think that's realistic. That there is more for us as in in this world. I mean, when I say love, you know, vast, immense love, there's nothing better than that. You know, everything comes from, you know, pleasure and and everything comes from that. And, like, it's it's always, it's available to us. We, we have to put down our fears that there isn't enough because there's absolutely enough of everything for everybody. This world is is incredibly rich and full and yet we've you know another very untrue thing is we don't hardly anybody believes that so we're just grabbing what we can to fill that void that false belief that it's going to run out and it's not going to be enough if we don't grab it now and if we don't compete with everybody else and um and my dreams of what I most want will be denied me if I don't do this and that. And there's all this fear around it. And I wish I could just assuage people's fears that way. And, to, and um, there, there is enough. There is enough time because time is eternal. Life is eternal. That's another thing that we haven't touched on yet. Um, and when you start getting aligned, into alignment with these truths, you can relax and take control again uh, rather than having these false thoughts that everybody supports, our whole culture supports these false thoughts. So we're all trapped in this false way of thinking unless we can really start getting clarity um, by taking our own authority and believing what feels right to us instead of some outside authority telling us how it is because we have access to all of it through our connection uh, inside mm. so what i hear you saying and i'll, I'll just um so translate translate that into the second example about someone starting their own business and having to spend hours doing stuff they're not suited for or they don't enjoy in the in the service of of the vision for for this business that you're going to say the same thing that I I trust that this sacrifice now is going to lead to great love, great great accomplishment, great expression. So that so so again, I'm trusting. It's like this this uh, really benevolent slot machine, right? I have to put a coin in. Things things aren't going to come if I just sort of sit around and do nothing and expect the universe to take care of me. But when I, when I employ my will in, in conjunction with what the universe has given me, then I'm, this, this coin I'm spending now is going to come back with friends. Is that, is that close to it? Um, or is there too much effort in that? Even in, in the way I've, 
Yeah, even it. I mean, right? Even um, you know, the the sacrifice scares me a little bit. It's it's like it can become that sacrifice doesn't have to be seen that way because that that's a little unnecessary if there's there's not a zero sum game or if there's just plenty for for everybody when you're not thinking of sacrifice you're thinking of as like um i i have this energy and i want to give it and this is gonna this is gonna do it or this is this is not fun i'm not going to do it and and knowing that that's okay because your path is always the the joyful path and it's it's hard for us to really hear that cuz we again we've been taught the opposite that it's it's all built on hard work and sacrifice and that's how you get good things but that's not at all true and you know um so yeah, I don't want to start saying that. I, I maybe it was a not a good example when I was saying in the middle of the night. There's still joy in that. It's still hope and trust and belief in in your your ability to to bring about something. Yeah, but I mean, I you know, so I, it's been a while since I've had to build a business from that level. Although I'm still. You know, I'm I'm still at a place where I'm doing things that at some point I would like other people to do. But let's say I get up in the morning and I and I want to run. So a lot of the people I work with, um, you know, we're working on exercising on bec- and we talk about it in terms of like authentic human beings move and exert. And in our natural ancestral environment, that was a prerequisite of being alive is, you know, moving around, foraging, gathering hunting, defending, and we don't have to do it in this society. And so for people, to, for me even, to get up in the morning and run, part of me wants, ah, oh, I'd rather sleep in. So where, yeah. how, how, do, how, do, how does this understanding of like, you know, all is love and that I can, that, that my feelings, my positive feelings are my guide. Um, how, what, what, yeah. what, am I, what am I missing when I get up in the morning and I go, shit, I, I have to run six miles today. Yeah, I have the, the same thing. It's, uh, waking up is, is tough for me getting up and greeting the day and, and getting all positive about it. Cause it's, I'm pretty grumpy in the morning. Um, but to actually go out and run like you do that, that's a whole new level. Um, it must serve you somehow to do that. And that's probably what you focus on now, right? I mean, it, it feels really good when you get to that six mile point or whatever it is that in the middle of your run, <laughs> I know you run far. Um, uh, and you feel really good for the rest of the day and it's what you need to to be at your best you want to give the world your best so you're digging deep and you're a very passionate person and so this this is serving you and getting over that you're proving you're getting over that initial laziness or whatever you're proving to yourself that you are the the master of your body and and um so you 
you know, we're all different. It, it's it sounds like it's serving you well. But if you can trace the demons, maybe I think what you're asking is, um, if it weren't fear that was is motivating me here, then I wouldn't do it, and then I wouldn't be at my best. And uh, so fear is is a good motivation, and that's where. I would challenge you to to ease back from that, uh, and because maybe that isn't your best self, you know. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't be the place that you'd want to be motivated from very much. You'd get burnt out that way. So you might want to trace that back to, well, what am I doubting? about myself that um, that I've inherited from strict parents or something that if I don't take charge of my will then I, I won't get what I want in life and I, I won't be valuable to other people you know you can challenge that and get to a place where you're just motivated because you're just happy doing everything, and you're following that flow. And it's a really a reprogramming. It takes a while. It can take a while to shift from fear being your motivator to to happiness and joy being your motivator. And because this the whole story of our culture again is those who you know follow their happiness as a god, not what not their responsibility or their duty to society and to others. They're just kind of these lazy bums that end up homeless and, and drugged out. And, um, that's the, that's the story that we tell ourselves. Mm. Right. So yet that's, I mean, that's where our power is though, is in, it's not fighting against, this universe it's going with the energy of the universe and that's what we have to find in this whole shift of consciousness that uh because this that other world is is uh not working right so if we can we can bring it bring it back full circle to to the folks i work with and especially to the to the women and the mothers who are, um, you know, who feel trapped in their schedules, that they don't have time to eat well, to cook for themselves, to take an hour to meditate, to think, that, that for, you know, that they're taking care of maybe the physical aspects of other of, of other people's needs but not not the emotional ones not the right. not the deeper ones like and and if like so having right. having the trust is you know that if i could be truly joyful as i move about my day that everyone around me would be so much better off even, even though yeah. that's not that's not that's not why i'm doing it right 
Right. That's that's the difference. It's it's like we have to trust the power that we tap into. We have to know that it's there, and that it's not all on our shoulders to make all this happen, because that's a, that's a weak that that will and that that that's uh, small. That's small power compared to when we tap into the un- unlimited power of love, and so that joy that you're talking about. That's the real gift to everybody else, that uh, taking care of everybody else. Just If you were just happy, that would be so good for everyone around you and everything. It would, you know, the whole, your whole life would reshape around that joy because that vibration that you're, you're sending out. And you'd let go of these little things that interrupt that joy because... A lot of times we feel like we're under the gun, and that's that's not just a slip of the tongue. You know, that's what it comes down to. That kind of coercion is enforced uh, all the way with with guns in our society. You know, it's it's the police, the military. You know, if we step out of line and we keep stepping out of line, it's going to be the gun eventually. We're going to face. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so getting back to that place of not being afraid and frantic and anxious about all those consequences that we've been told will happen if we, if we slip up, if we relax. And, uh, and when you find that place of joy and happiness and doing things from that place, you just you get so much support when you're there to do everything you need to do and to have all your dreams come true and everybody around you will respond to that um, and, and your dogs are agreeing somebody yeah. just came to the front door I'm gonna... <laughs> let them go away okay I'll go back here <laughs> I hope my reception's still yeah it's fine no I uh... okay G- give give your dogs hugs for me yeah <laughs> um, yeah so that's where there's just such a safety net and yet we don't believe that and we don't relax into that enough and they're just like that's all that's all anybody wants who loves you anyway is for you to be happy and you know it doesn't seem like that from the employer but you have some unraveling to do if you've gotten that far where you know you're afraid of your employer you're afraid of everything around you and 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 you're just always so anxious because you're afraid all the time that it's all going to fall apart if if you don't maintain it with this sacrifice. Right. And and I and I love that the dogs just chimed in because it it just reminded me that you know we we live in this human created world and we think that we are the measure of all things, but when you look at every other living thing, they all know this law. 
Yes. Right. Yeah. That, you, that your your dogs don't like do things out of duty. <laughs> right. Unless unless you like yeah. you know whip them and beaten them, you know if, if they've just if they've just been allowed to to flower as their natural selves. Or I'm looking out the window at the at the chestnut tree, and and the the grass in my neighbor's field and the pines in my front yard and the, and all the, the potted plants that, uh, that Mia bought to put in the, uh, in the new front area following your feng shui consultation, that every part of creation just follows its bliss, except for us. Yes. Yeah. So, and we see ourselves, that's why we see ourselves as separate from it all. You know, like, oh, we're different. You know, we're the, we have these beliefs that say, oh, we're the masters of this. We have to take care of it and do all this stuff. And and so now we're blaming everybody else for not doing that. And therefore, there's global warming and climate change and uh, poverty and all these things we're blaming each other for. And ultimately, the responsibility is only for your for your own connection to that, but it's it's also being responsible to it all, um, which it's a, I mean, I don't know if I want to go on that tangent if we're trying to wrap up here. It's a, it's a, well, can, a can, can I invite you back? Yes. Yeah, okay. that would be, so that'd be fun to talk about, like how, how we can re be responsible for things that we're, we can't control. Okay, because because my podcast like life is eternal, so there's always another. Oh, <laughs> there's always another call. That's great. Yeah, so I'll I'll, I'll bookmark that because that's uh, that's definitely you know as growing growing up in an activist family, where you know being on the picket line and protesting and fighting was was what I saw growing up. So I would love I would love to explore you know, where, where those roots have taken hold and are keeping me paradoxically from, from being the, the change I wish to see in the world. Yes. We're just starting, we're just getting warmed up here. It seems like, cause there's a, there's a lot of, uh, rebuttals, you know, that can pop up in one's head about all these things and, uh, a lot to get through. So the, the the one line that really blew me away from from our conversation today is, and I think it's a place I'd like to leave people because we were we we were I th we were trying to find like what's a first step because you know we 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 dove into into the depths of of sort of spirituality and metaphysics and trying to bring it to people's lives. The one line that really sent chills down my spine is that we turn our self-criticism on others because we really don't believe it. Yes. And and we think, you know, like of course, like if I truly believed that I was completely worthless and there was nothing of eternity or divinity in me, then it would make sense to blame everybody else. You know, it would make sense to blame myself. But since since I can't really believe that, there's some part of me that knows that that's, that's a falsehood. That's the reason I project it outward. That's right. That's right. And it's also too much of a burden to think it's our fault and, you know, we're to blame. I mean, we don't believe it, and we also can't really 
take that on because that would hurt too much. And that's that's probably the first level. The second level is that we don't believe it at, at our core because it's, it's just not true, you know. So our our most intuitive, deepest self knows that that's not true. Right. So, and you know, the teacher in me wants to now give everyone assignments and a uh, a syllabus, and you know, re- <clears throat> I I recognize my desire for control, but I think what I what I heard from you is just learn how to quiet those thoughts through meditation, through simply understanding that that the you that is observing everything is not the same as the mind that's producing all these thoughts. Yes. Yeah, that's I think that's very good. That's um if we could find that place anytime we wanted it would just uh it'd be like, you know, we could go back there and then just spread that wider and wider that that place have it kind of take over. Um so, you know, if if we were Talking to somebody who hasn't, I, I think everybody's probably had that experience at some point to sort of step out of their life. And it's a very peaceful, happy place. Step out of their, um, nor, you know, everyday mind. Um, so to, to reach for that and to find it, it might be first thing in the morning, it might be Last thing at night might be in just anywhere. It's it's going to be different for everybody. Um, you know, where I have found it is when I was having trouble sleeping. There was some insomnia going on for a couple nights. I don't know. It was too hot in the bedroom or something, and. I was laying there and just my mind was worrying and and taking over with all these thoughts that I couldn't seem to control. Um, And it was very unpleasant. And so uh, I eventually went back to sleep. But the next night when I woke up, I was like, oh, same. it was kind of the same time. And I said, oh, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to really... Be calm and, and follow my breath. Just that's all I'm going to do is listen. Just feel my breath, my, feel my chest rise and fall, and listen to the quiet. And I went to this such a quiet place there that I wasn't anxious about not sleeping. And it was just this peaceful place. I wasn't worried about not being asleep and getting the rest I needed. It was just such a quiet place and. Um, I, I just felt just this presence of, I don't know. It's, it, so that's the place I'm talking about getting to, you know, this really quiet place that is just peaceful and understanding that there's no hurry, there's there's no fear. It's just this loving embrace that if we just still ourselves, and get off that anxiety trip that we're always on. Uh, we can start living in that place, and 
and uh, I don't know. It just we learn a lot from being in that place, and we we want more and more of it, and then we start acting from that place, and our uh, everything changes. Right. So let's uh, let's let's leave it there for now. We're giving we're giving we've given people a a whole new landscape, you know, a whole new map for the same for the same territory and a first step. And right. so pe- people will, I expect people will listen to parts of this and nod their heads and agree. And there's pe- parts of it people will listen to and be argue with and maybe even be upset by and offended by. And we're, we're not asking anyone to, to believe, but to experience and, and, and see yeah. and see what 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 is true that doesn't need to be uh, proven or confirmed externally. That's it. It's, it's uh, that experience of that internal core of who we are, and that that connects to to everything, or that is everything, and we're just you know, connected with that seamlessly. All right. Well, Mark, um, I want to, I want to thank you. I think we're, this is, you know, it's a different interview than I often do and that people come on with sort of a story and an agenda. And, and this has, has, has been an exploration. And I think we're both kind of figuring out how to articulate it, how to dance around the concepts that, that don't fit naturally into our Western language, and, and how to bridge the gap for folks who, yeah. who are, you know, who, who are frankly, mostly, you know, largely where I am, <laughs> right, where, where I'm just trying to explore this territory, but I've, um, I've been mentored by you and others, and I've seen enough to want to wanna take this journey. So I want, I want to thank you for, for being my guide in particular and for, for your generosity in taking this time to, uh, to share with, with my audience. Well, this is all right back at you, Howard. I, I, uh, I get as much from this as you do uh, from you. Um, and you're right, this isn't something that's in a package. We're discovering this together. We're, we're moving into this together and exploring that's where the fun is for me it's not kind of like you know coming to things that we can hang on to as you know we we can hang on to all of them but they they all change too so we're moving forward and we're going and and i just have to say there i think there are a lot of people on this journey with us that don't have the radio waves or the television attention so it's really cool that you have some of that mm. uh, you know we're we're just used to the the sound bites and the witty uh the witticisms that don't rock the boat too much and don't challenge what the beliefs are of our culture too much but. right it's funny you mentioned sound bites because I'm, I'm i'm in the middle of a book called the surrender experiment by mickey singer and he, he quotes one of his spiritual teachers say, every day, bite off more than you can chew and chew it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, 
that's what I do with my journal. I just, I mean, even if I can't write these these ideas clearly, I just write them and just keep moving forward, keep keep going at it. Right. Uh, so, well, thank you, thank you, Howard. Thank you. Fun. Thank you, Mark. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes at plantyourself.com slash 173. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 172 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com, where you can also sign up for the weekly email newsletter. Thanks to Plant Yourself podcast patrons Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Elizabeth Clifton, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherly, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Vilkinovsky, David Bizek, the mysterious Michelle X, Elsbeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, and Michelle Holt for your generous support of the podcast. If you would like to support the show, you can share this and other episodes on social media and via an email. You can write a review on iTunes. And I got two new reviews I want to read to you. One of them is by Depoedy or Depoedy um, on September 17th. It says, one of my favorites. Howard does a fantastic job of interviewing one of the best. He pays attention to his guests and asks thoughtful questions. Too many out there just like to hear themselves talk. You can tell that he plays off what the guests actually say, not just of a list of pre-planned questions. He also has a variation of guest types, not just the standard plant-based foodies. Thanks, Howard. I look forward to each episode. Thank you so much, Depot Ed. <laughs> and um, one of the best vegan podcasts says, who I think I remember you from typing class. G-J-H-H-F-J- G-H-H-T-T. That was on September 14th. And this person says, this is probably my favorite plant-based podcast of them all. I really like the casual format. It's like hearing two friends talking. He has such inspiring guests on from popular and famous scientists to the unaverage Joe. Highly recommend. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And if you would like to leave a review and, uh, make your name maybe a little bit easier to pronounce than those two, that would be awesome. Another thing I'm going to be experimenting with over the next few weeks is I have so many podcasts in the can and so many more scheduled that I am going to go to a twice a week schedule. So it's going to be, I think, Tuesdays and Fridays for a while. See how that goes. See how it feels. See what that does for for my peace of mind and happiness and joy. And uh, I'd like to hear from you guys as well, whether twice a week is better or worse or you couldn't care less actually if you couldn't care less you don't have to let me know that just uh, better or worse so in garden news we've had like two and a half days of rain which has been amazing like you go outside and you see the plants like doing what they should be doing like growing rapidly just turning the right color the leaves turning the right color of green it's just amazing to um to realize, you know, so we've been watering and watering and watering through this droughty fall, late summer, um, next today's the first day of fall. And, you know, to to see what happens when everything just works is a, uh, a beautiful and humbling thing. So that's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends.